Hey everybody, this is Optimus. Welcome back to the Retro Futurist Culture Podcast. Today we're going to be talking about something very near and dear to a lot of us. The very classic and amazing Star Wars. I don't know what else I can say about this legacy. So we're going to call this episode the Star Wars Legacy. It's something that has changed pop culture as we know it, changed cinema, influenced many things. It's been influenced by many other things that you may not know about, and that's what we're going to get into in this episode. Star Wars originally was created by George Lucas. The first film came out in 1977, originally just titled Star Wars, later subtitled Episode 4, A New Hope. It would set up a trilogy that was near and dear to many children of the 80s hearts. That's probably where most of us saw, got our uh, Star Wars fix from. And uh, today I'm going to be joined by a very special guest. I have my friend Mark. Mark works as a game developer, making awesome video games. And uh, we're going to sit down and we're going to break down some stuff about Star Wars. Mark, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks. Good to talk to you. I haven't talked to you in a long time. <laughs> yeah. Well, other than, you know, chit-chatting here and there online. Yeah. And uh, I know you guys just got off a big game a little while ago when you guys are doing pre-production on another game. Is that going well? Uh, yeah, it's going pretty well. Um, Good. Yeah. That's awesome. I'm looking forward to it. Um. Mark, what is your first, if you can, travel back in the Wayback Machine, because we're both 40 plus, <laughs> the Wayback Machine, what is your first memory of Star Wars that you can remember? What was your first, like, when when did you first know that you loved Star Wars? Man, uh, I mean, like, there's there's like a first memory, which is like, I think I was watching Star Wars on a friend's like video deck. Um, Did he have one of those RCA uh, Select Division video discs with the big plastic sleeve that you slide in, or was it an actual laser disc? Like honestly, or, I was I was like I don't know, like five or something. So, like I can't even remember like what the device what the was. I just remember kind of watching it, and I, I like barely had memories of that. And like I think like Empire Strikes Back came out. And I barely remember that, like seeing it when the, when I saw it for the first time. But like for me, like Return of the Jedi is is the biggest influence because like I was living in a small town in, in New Mexico at the time. We had like one theater with like two two movie theaters and mm -hmm. two screens. Two screens, yeah. Thanks. <laughs> like and uh, Return of the Jedi was there and. It was there for six months. So I ended up seeing that movie 27 times as a kid. And I had like, like one of those um, cassette tapes. It was like kind of like a summary of the movie. Mm -hmm. And it was like, you know, it's like beep, you know, turn the page. I just listened to that yes. over and over. I had one of those. <laughs> I had, yeah, yeah, I totally had one of those. And I had like Turn of the Jedi soundtrack. I just like, yeah, that's, that's my jam. Right on. I uh I the first memory my my first memory that I can recall is we had gone to do you remember those awesome things called drive ins? <laughs> you can watch movies outside on a giant screen and from your car, from the comfort of your car. Yeah. Um I was probably three, maybe four, and Empire had been out maybe for a little bit and they were doing a 
this is the first time I'm seeing the original Star Wars. They were doing Star Wars and Empire back to back. And my mom took my brother and I, and I was like four, maybe close to five, but I think I was four. My brother was like two. <laughs> and uh, I think I passed out sometime in the middle of Empire and then had to wait till I saw it again later <laughs> to find <laughs> out what happened. <laughs> but the uh, the opening shot of the original film blew me away on that giant drive-in screen. Oh, I was yeah. like, what <laughs> is this? Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, so that's great. Um, I also, and and Return of the Jedi was probably another big one for me. I got to see that in the theater. Um, I was closer to six, maybe seven at the time. And uh, I was there with my brother and my father and my grandfather were taking us. And we had just gone to the store and they had just released the Return of the Jedi action figures. So I got myself a Jedi Luke Skywalker and my brother got a Boba Fett figure, and we were all excited to go see Return of the Jedi <laughs> at that time. Oh, do you have one that had the, like the firing rocket? No, that's a really uh, <laughs> that's that really rare one, right? There's only like five known. Oh, something fo- less than that. <laughs> uh, there's that episode, uh, the toys that made us Star Wars, and they talk about that. Oh uh, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. On Netflix, yeah, that was a uh, pretty interesting. Then there, there's a guy that has like the biggest Star Wars collection, and he has one of them. It's pretty cool. It's a crazy collection. Um, I did for a while collect Star Wars, and uh, I collected a little bit of everything. Like they had the Micro Machine Action Fleet, and I really liked those because I like the ships. Mm-hmm. And then they had this was in like ninety four, ninety five when they did the re release of like a lot of Star Wars stuff. And I was starting to buy those up. And then I decided to only collect the 12-inch figures because I wanted to focus on my collection for a little while. Mm. Um, I no longer collect. I ended up selling those off. and uh, But but I had amassed quite a bit of the 12-inch figures. But um, before we get into that, let's... Yeah, let's... I want to bring up... So we had the original Star Wars trilogy. You know, you and I got to see it in the theater. Then probably... As kids growing up, it was on TV and its edited versions, and then they re they re released it on uh, or VHS in the eighties of uh, various formats. But VHS was a you know very popular um, format, and I remember watching it that way as a kid. That was one of those movies that you know your parents would just let you watch any time. But after Return of the Jedi, we kind of had a drought where there wasn't there was no films. There was like the Ewok TV movies. <laughs> And that was it. The action figures fizzled out by 84, 85. Kenner had kind of given up. They had made a couple mm-hmm. things that were just like from old designs that were left on the drawing room table from Joel Johnston, the original designer of a lot of the Star Wars vehicles. And it just kind of died off for a while. And uh, I think only those of us that were watching, watch, continuously watching it on videotape or, you know, playing with the toys with our friends. Um, were you excited at all when they re-released those Powers of the Force figures? And then I know that started leading to rumors of a new movie at that time because uh, it was like '95 or '96. Yeah, um, I think around that time I was like, I was more heavily into Transformers because there's kind of resurgence, right? That. So I remember like going to the Toys R Us because I, I lived. When I was in LA, when I first moved out to LA, like I was like right behind a Toys R Us. 
So it was like super easy to just like stop there before I went to work. And like, I remember seeing, seeing them come out and I, I did have a few of those. Um, but also like, I think when episode one came out, there's like this huge, big like, midnight. Toys. Yeah. Midnight <laughs> yeah. I went to that. I went to that. Yeah. yeah. I just like grabbed all like the episode one toys that I could get. It was crazy. <laughs> I was really into, um, lego at the time mm-hmm. and i bought all of the star wars and episode one lego sets that i could get my hands on at that time and i, oh, I saved yeah. them even after i stopped collecting that was one of the things i did keep i had built them i didn't leave them in their boxes i had built them and set them up and had this display case and then i took them all apart and had this giant one of those big plastic rubber made tubs and i put them all in there and i saved all the instruction booklets mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then 10, 15 years later, I had my own kids and they got old enough to start playing with Legos. And one day I went and got that bin out of the garage, opened it up. and was like, holy cow, here we go, guys. <laughs> <laughs> so there's been many a Star Wars battles because um, they, they've, they've been buying all the newer Star Wars sets nice. you know, and maybe dad buys them for them because he's like, oh, hey, look at this one's got Mando or this one's got Boba Fett. Or this <laughs> one's got, we got to get this set, guys. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, uh. Yeah, for me it was like yeah, that the, was um, great. the older sets. You know, I I got some, but then they're they're like not not that great. Like the Lego yeah, sets. Yeah, like I felt like they could have yeah, been they were better. pretty basic. Um. So yeah, I, I had them for a while, and yeah, I put them in a tub, kind of like you, and uh, you know, they had much much better sets. Came out much later. Um. Right. Yeah. The original X-wing. They've done it like they're on their third or fourth version, and they always make it a little bit nicer, newer, and more expensive. Man, Legos are expensive, <laughs> <laughs> right? For like little plastic. Transformers are expensive too. I was just, uh, you know, at Target. I always look and see what's out there, and uh, I like a lot of the new Transformers I'm seeing. I no longer collect them, but I look at them and go, "Oh, it's awesome!" I was like, "Wow, that's pricey! Holy cow!" Yeah, it's, you know, inflation. They've they've gone up. Yeah. It's real. It's real. <laughs> I remember deluxes were like ten dollars, and then now they're like twenty something. Yeah, um, for sure. And even the Star Wars figures now they have like they seem to aim. And this is probably because I honestly don't see a lot of kids playing with toys like we did so mm-hmm. much. Is they're very much into electronics now? Yeah. Yeah. Um, video games and whatnot like when we were kids they didn't have this stuff i mean i had an atari but the atari was like eh. everybody we would rather play with our gi joes or our star wars or our transformers figures you know ride our bmx bikes um so a lot of the toys i see now are aimed more at collectors i mean they still make toys for kids but certain ones i look and i go okay that's not for a kid that's for a a 25 plus year old male who has an <laughs> expendable budget you know, especially some of those bigger, fancier Transformer sets or like the Star Wars Black Line figures. Yeah, yeah. Stuff like that. Hasbro, I think they, they, they recognize, right, um, that there are the adult collectors, right, that were the, the kids before. Um, and so they, they do have separate lines. And, you know, I know, especially with Transformers. I'm sure. mm, oh, yeah. Yeah. They still make those those simpler toys for kids, but they they're still pumping out the, the nostalgia toys, you know, that are a little higher in quality and more expensive for the adults. Yeah. 
Well, that's, and that's and that's another thing actually that that uh, you could almost say that Star Wars created. If there was a toy market. There were toys for kids, but with Star Wars, one of the things in George Lucas's original contract with Fox for that first movie you know um he wanted merchandising rights and they're like yeah whatever nobody makes any money off of this stuff mm-hmm. <laughs> so they let him have it and he was able to shop around and nobody was really interested in doing a movie toy deal i guess none of them had ever really panned out mm-hmm. um probably cuz nobody had made a movie as big as this before and uh Kenner was the only company that stepped up to bat and that was the infamous uh empty box campaign because the movie hit it took off like wildfire there were no toys on the shelves kenner you know created these uh empty boxes that you would buy and it had a certificate inside and you were going to get you know mailed to your house the six or eight figures that were included in this box at the time but that that almost helped create the action figure market for boys like in a new way and you know Hasbro had to play catch up a few years later when they reintroduced uh, GI Joe. Mm-hmm. They decided they would emulate the size of the Star Wars figures and vehicles because it was such a big selling thing. And like Star Wars took off, so then He Man came out. He Man took off, you know. And then Hasbro went and scrambled and picked up Transformers from Japan, you know, out of those various toy mm-hmm. lines, and then redid GI Joe. So Star Wars kind of created the 80s toy craze i would say yeah. if you could point to one thing <laughs> i think that would be it yeah i remember having a handful of, of star wars figures when i was a kid and like, you know you you look at the back of the box and you see all they were really good right because they had like all the figures and like all the names and you know names that you didn't see in the movies and it's like kid you just memorized all of those <laughs> Or they were just characters like in the background of a single yeah. shot in the cantina at New Hope or at Jabba's Palace in Return of the Jedi. And you're like, there's a figure of that guy? Yeah. Like, wait a minute. <laughs> and later, those characters would have complete backstories or stories of themselves in the expanded universe Star Wars novels. Um, later on, I know there was like Tales from Jabba's Palace and all this. There were all these. And, and I read a lot of those at the time. Um, that was another interesting phenomenon. So they did, you know, we had our original movies and then when they brought back or there was a demand for more star Wars as it went on. And then, you know, Lucasfilm did a book deal and they created these star Wars books. And the first books that came out was a sequel trilogy to the original trilogy. And, uh, everybody really liked it. Um, and then they kept writing more and more books and, uh, expanding that universe in some ways great in some ways not so great but uh but it was a fun universe that they did um until george decided when he did episode one that he was going to change some things and that that then became the like expanded universe where it was like its own timeline of this is a different possibility this isn't what lucasfilm's doing timeline yeah film canon um yeah, film canon and and then the expanded universe canon, and they don't quite mesh up. You could maybe try and put it together, possibly, but some of the backstory is a little bit different on Mandalore. Some of the backstory oh, on the yeah. clones is different. The Sith, there's a lot of things that are different from those books. The neat thing is, and uh, 
we're just kind of dovetailing all over the place. The neat thing <laughs> is, is a lot of that stuff that is cool. It seems like the current team that is kind of handling Star Wars being uh, Kathleen Kennedy, John Favreau, and Dave Filoni, they're trying to weave in as much of that stuff that makes sense to use as they can. Mm-hmm. It's kind of neat seeing cameos or like, oh, there's that character that was from the books, but now it's it's been changed to fit the the new you know unified Star Wars canon. Oh, for sure. Like you know, I read I read the Thrawn novels, right? And that was really good. The original yeah, ones or the new the, ones? Yeah, the original, the original. Because <laughs> uh, there's a new trilogy of Thrawn novels. <laughs> Yeah, Actually, the heir to the Empire. But, um, yeah, so it was really cool to see. I think he showed up in, in Rebels. Yeah. And I was like, oh, shh, it's Thrawn. I, yeah. I don't know if I can curse it. So like, I'll try to be careful. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. You're good. Yeah, that's going to be really interesting. Let's, um, yeah, let's let's break down a little bit, like, what, so we have we have the original trilogy, which was episode four, five, and six, right? Mm-hmm. We got those. Those came out 77, 80, 83. Then we had the expanded universe novels and stuff start coming out in the mid-late 80s, early 90s. Um, the toy line got rejuvenated in 94, 95. Rumors started to go about a movie. In 97, he made the special edition trilogy using some CG. And that's when the new movie rumors really went nuts, right? Mm-hmm. And then 99, we got episode one, 2002, episode two, and 2005, episode three. And that was finally we get the backstory of how did the Empire come to be? How did Anakin become Darth Vader? You know, what was Obi-Wan like when he was younger? And all of that We're you know... <laughs> a little bit of backstory on Boba Fett's family. Just a lot of cool stuff came out of that. And then uh, from there, we got the Clone Wars animated series, two Clone Wars animated series. Actually, there was the first one that Kennedy Tarkowski did, which was really cool and really kinetic, but it was kind of all over the place. Um, It was fun. Uh, And then, and then George Lucas decided he wanted to expand and make his own canon Clone Wars series that would be canon with the films. And he hired a gentleman named Dave Filoni to come in and kind of do this. And and it's a really neat story. Dave Filoni talks about how George Lucas took him in and kind of almost like Dave Filoni was the apprentice. He was the Padawan. <laughs> yeah. And George kind of taught him, like, this is, this is how I think about Star Wars. This is how I do Star Wars. This is why I've done the things I've done. One of the things that um, I always find interesting is, you know, there's some people are like, oh, it's too, it's too childish or like certain parts of Star Wars are too childish. And he's always said from the beginning, even the original movie was meant to be for kids. Like it was not meant to be for adults. I mean, at the time, I think the original trilogy kind of hits a little harder and a little more adult because of the producers at the time. I think, had George been left to his own devices, I think the original trilogy probably wouldn't have turned out as well as it did. So (laughs) I'm grateful for Gary Kurtz and those other guys that kind of stepped in and, and uh, punched it up a little bit. Um, Yeah. There was that one video. uh, It was like how, how uh, a new hope was edited. I was like saved in the edit. Oh, right. And that's a really interesting. I was just watching. I was just watching the Empire of Dreams documentary mm-hmm. to prepare for this. And uh, yeah, the the first assembled cut of the movie was super slow and rough and terrible. Mm-hmm. There's some 
really terrible dialogue <laughs> and it's funny because they were able to edit that out and do make you know make it work mm-hmm. but you can see i watching that and then if you watch episode one i can see how episode one ended up the way it was i don't i don't hate episode one two and three i actually really love three and i enjoy two i like one but it's kind of rough but you can tell that he didn't have anybody there he didn't have anybody there to really kind of tell him george this sounds terrible like everybody seemed to think everything he wrote was perfect and nobody was kind of giving him any pushback what do you think about that the prequel trilogy one two and three mark what is your or any specifics that that maybe you feel about that uh man like yeah I, it's been a while it's been a while since i've seen those um i mean i really yeah i i, I understand like a lot of you know especially those criticisms right from people especially like the kids that are now adults and they're looking at it through an adult lens like for me like it was it was okay i I totally loved like you know the final battle duel of the fates i mean that was was yeah i think that i think everybody agrees i mean episode one if there are two parts that everybody really loves it's the pod race and then the the duel with darth maul at the Mm -hmm. end right but yeah i mean when you go further on right it's, it's where it's uh doesn't feel as good um, especially you know, through an adult lens, but I, I see now that the, you know there's like the kids that watch that, and that's their favorite trilogy, right? So it is, it was for kids, and it's like you know if you were a kid when you saw it, I think that's going to be your favorite thing, right? For sure. Like I said, I I uh, I like them. I don't love I I love 3. I can watch 3 any day episode 3. To me it seems like he finally and maybe it was cuz we were linking he had to kind of get it in tone closer to the original trilogy. Mm-hmm. Um whereas 1 and 2 I understand what he was doing. He definitely was going more on his like Saturday morning Flash Gordon kind of space opera serials which was one of the biggest influences on the original movies the whole opening crawl of star wars came right out of those old 1930s 1940s flash gordon (laughs) serials that they used to show at the movies um and and even the romantic art and everything like i love all of that it's just that the dialogue in episode one and episode two are pretty bad certain scenes uh-huh. the the romance between anakin and padme in episode two is pretty hard to <laughs> yeah. stomach at times i do love the detective story between obi-wan tracking down Django fett and count dooku in episode two that's that's fantastic yeah, yeah um, like i think you know for me i remember like i think three was actually the worst for me like the, the really the, i think the dialogue and the like the the transformation of Anakin just like didn't it didn't really sit well with me. It didn't feel right, and that's like something that I feel like you know when you have more time, right? When you watch the Clone Wars and you see that happening uh, gradually through that series, that it it did a much better job, you know, because it had the time to to be able to to do that, that transformation. Sure, yeah, yeah, which is awesome that. Um, uh, what's his name? Christian. I can't. I, Hayden Christensen. Hayden, yeah, I got it back. Sorry, Hayden Christensen. 
like it was cool to see that like he was he watched the Clone Wars <laughs> to to prepare for yeah, for Obi Wan to prepare for the <laughs> Obi Wan series yeah. that's going to drop May twenty seventh. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, and uh, Ewan McGregor watched all nine movies also just to like get back in the zone of Star Wars. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's pretty amazing. And and so we get we get Clone Wars, and then after Clone Wars. This is when um, Disney acquires Star Wars. They create, they start a new trilogy. We get episode seven, and which leads to eight and nine. We'll talk about those in a little bit. But but the one thing I want to talk about is they they started a new animated series, and uh, this this serendipitously came out right as my daughter was getting just old enough to maybe watch something like that. Mm-hmm. And Rebels came out and it became a thing on Saturday mornings where we would watch Rebels and she was not even two, but she got into it. And now she's a huge Star Wars fan. Mm-hmm. Her favorite character is Ahsoka Tano. She, um, From Rebels. It was just really cool. <laughs> yeah. And I, I love how Rebels kind of ties all, almost all of that stuff from the Clone Wars and mm-hmm. builds up and kind of leads us into where the original trilogy is going. And that little gap is where they're going to slap the Obi-Wan series in there, I feel like we're going to get a little bit more mm-hmm. of that piece of the puzzle. Yeah, it's like Rebels is is like a perfect maturation of, of like Filoni after Clone Wars. Because like, honestly, like Clone Wars started really rough. Rough. Like, <laughs> yeah. like I was like totally into the, the Kennedy Tartakovsky stuff. It was awesome. It was like the action was great. And I went to go see like the the Clone Wars, you know, this animated Clone Wars movie. Premiere, and right? The CG premiere? It's like, there's this, like, really flamboyant hut with, like, a pimp hat. And I'm like, what the hell is this? <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> I also, I, I would have to say, I had the same reaction. I went and saw that movie, and I was like, what <laughs> the heck did I just watch? I was not, I actually, it actually put me off from watching Clone mm-hmm. Wars for a long mm-hmm. time. I don't even think I started watching Clone Wars until they were like on season four. And it was, you know, a friend, another friend's like, no, man, it gets, he's like, yeah. it, it's, it's really good. It gets better. And even when I meet people that are kind of, they want to find out more backstory on some, some of the Mandalorian stuff. And I said, well, watch Clone Wars, uh, but I'll tell them, I was like, probably skip the first two seasons and jump in here. Mm-hmm. You know <laughs> I mean? Yeah, yeah, definitely. <clears throat> Whereas with Rebels, I feel like you can watch the whole show and it just gets better and better as it starts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Rebels starts slow, but man, if rubber hits the road, the season two premiere, I was like, whoa, like, <laughs> yeah. bam. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, season one is, you know, introduce the characters, you know, let them be their own thing. And then season two, you introduce them to, to more of the the world, right? And yet, Fulcrum is. Um, okay. yeah. Spoilers, by the way. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, any, any, I think anybody who's listening to this, it's going to be filled with Star Wars spoilers. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, and then like Sabine Wren, right? Like really helped give you more backstory on the Mandalorians, and and like her outfit is just so cool too. Like, you know, the, the I love that her. she would just. <laughs> 
change. Yeah, she would change her armor and her camo. And yeah, my daughter really liked her a lot too. So mm-hmm. uh, I'll be excited to see where they go. Um, because we got a new, we've got, now we've got live action Star Wars series, right? We had Rebels. Mm-hmm. There was also Resistance, full disclosure. I tried to watch one episode. I couldn't get into it, so I never finished them. Yeah, I think that's <laughs> I did, younger. Yeah, I did actually enjoy the Lego Freemakers series, mainly because I watched it with my kids. My son was a little bit younger, mm-hmm. and that one was kind of fun and silly. And I mean, it wore it wore that on its sleeve right there. So, But anyway, we got the uh, seven eight nine movies maybe we'll save that for a later discussion but what what ended up happening is we got a, a new series and for as soon as i heard about it i was just completely excited because they announced the mandalorian mm-hmm. and they announced that john favreau was producing it and then dave filoni was working on it and i was like this is going to be the greatest thing that's ever made because <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about you, but I love the Mandalorian culture. I love Mandalorians. I was just like, oh my gosh, this is going to be so good. And uh, I wasn't let down. I was not let down at all. That first episode floored me, and I was so excited for that show and where it's gone since. I don't know how you feel about the Mandalorian. Oh, man. Like, yeah, like like a lot, like a lot of people, right? It's like the whole you know, thing started with Boba Fett, you know, because he didn't know much about him, but he was kind of cool. And so you're just like waiting for more, and then, yeah, Django kind of shows up, and it's it's okay. But yeah, the the Mandalorian is is kind of like taking things back to its roots with like the Western, the, the Lone Samurai, right? That's uh, I, I like when yeah, I I, I love, I love they... watching that that series. I can I watch it mul- every episode like multiple times. I've seen the first two seasons of and Boba Fett. Like I've watched all three seasons at least three times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Cause I'll watch it once by myself and then I've watched it with my kids uh-huh. and then I've watched it with my wife or my wife and my kids. Like after, you know, like I was like, no, 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 you got to watch this. And you know, she's like, all right. Like, she's not, she likes star Wars, but she's not like a fanatic. Mm-hmm. Right. She's not, she's not sitting there looking to see if there's a new piece of Beskar armor or if, you know, certain blasters a certain way or, that that's a Naboo starfighter or <laughs> any of those kind of geeky details that, that we pick up on. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Before we get into any more about the legacy of star Wars and its influence, let's take a quick commercial break. So you guys can hear more about awesome shows on ruminations radio network. Thanks. And stand by. You've been listening to another fine, fine podcast on the rumination radio network. This is Game Agent E.T. from Oh God, It Hurts! And we hope you keep on listening to our fine, fine podcast here on RuminationsRadioNetwork.com. Hey everybody, it's Optimus. We're on the RFC talking about the legacy of Star Wars. We're talking with my good buddy Mark. And we were just talking about how amazing the Mandalorian uh, live-action series, Boba Fett live this whole new live-action Star Wars television universe is. And, uh, wanted to kind of get into some of that mark you had mentioned something that that goes all the way back to the original movie and that's a space western i mean if you watch the original star wars and this is this this makes a whole crazy hollywood loop or maybe like a worldwide cinema influence loop right so the original star wars george lucas was heavily influenced by watching he had gotten into 
thanks to, of all people, John Milius, the director of Conan the Barbarian, had dragged George Lucas to see a screening of some Kurosawa movies at a theater. Um, and and uh, Lucas really, really liked that. And you can see the influence in the original Star Wars a lot, especially like if you've ever watched Kurosawa's Hidden Fortress, where this princess is running from this feudal empire and she has these two bumbling peasants who are obviously C-3PO and R2-D2. It's it's great. <laughs> but that wouldn't have... Kurosawa was influenced, I mean, by his own culture, but Kurosawa, filmmaking-wise, was influenced by a filmmaker named John Ford, <laughs> who made a lot of Westerns. So Kurosawa's samurai movies are more like Westerns than most other Japanese directors. And then Star Wars itself was influenced by these Japanese samurai movies that were influenced by the Western. And you go back and if you watch the original Star Wars with that kind of a thought in your head, you go, Oh, this is straight up. This is, this is a Western. This is totally a space Western. And, and the Mandalorian captures that, you know, really well. It's very episodic. Like you were saying, um, Jin Jaren is basically like, he's like the lone gunfighter. He's very much, a little bit like Clint Eastwood's character in the Dollars trilogy. Like he's, he's a good guy, but he doesn't want to really get involved with things, but then he kind of has to. And we then get Boba Fett back and we didn't know Boba Fett much in the original trilogy, but when we get him back here, Boba Fett is almost more like Conan the Barbarian. He's like an unhinged warrior. Who's just been through crazy stuff. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, yeah, let's talk about those influences. Like what? Like I brought up Kurosawa and the samurai films and the westerns. Mm -hmm. What other influences have you seen that Star Wars has borrowed, or what do you think Star Wars has influenced? Well, I mean, um, you know, especially like Mandalorian, uh, you see the the influence of like the Lone Wolf and Cub series. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. And and um, actually, it's it's come full circle because uh, there's this uh, this toy series I collect. Uh, it's it's called the the movie realization series, and it has these Star Wars characters in in samurai armor, samurai style armor. And the latest one that I just received is uh, a Mandalorian and Grogu set with with him basically as lone wolf and cub. And and even like when you saw uh, the book of Boba Fett, right? There's that scene where where he, he Luke has Grogu choose between yes, the lightsaber the and the armor, and that is like totally straight out of out of so that, that's that out movie. of the very first issue. Well, the so uh, let's get let's get a little backstory of that uh, Lone Wolf and Cub was a Japanese manga, Kozuro Kame, Wolf taking along his child. Uh, it was written by Kazuo Koike, and uh, the artist was Goseki Kojima, first published in 1970. They were adapted into six films, which I have, <laughs> starring Tomosaburo Wakayama. And uh, they were very, um, very influential. And then they, there was a TV adaptation done later. Um, Lone Wolf and Cub is the story of Ogami Ito, Shogun's executioner, who uses a special... Dotonuki battle sword. He's disgraced by false accusations from the Yagyu clan, who was a clan that was trying to take over the Japan at the time. He's forced to take the path of the assassin, along with his three-year-old son Daigoro. Hmm. Wonder if they 
<laughs> Maybe you're influenced by that name just a little bit. <laughs> oh, I just I just realized. I didn't, yeah. Didn't think about they that. seek revenge on the Yagyu clan and are known as Lone Wolf and Cub. Yeah, and in that very first issue, or maybe it's the second issue, because they kind of start uh, the movie and the very first Lone Wolf and Cub movie very much emulates the, the manga. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, Ogami is, is betrayed and his wife is murdered. And these guys come to kill him, and he's actually wearing the ceremonial white robes. And if you know anything about Japanese culture, those white robes signify death because he was the executioner. So he wears them as the uh, as the Yagyu assassins come to try and kill him. And uh, he kills all of them, and when he leaves, he has his son, and he sticks a sword in the ground, and he puts a ball in the ground. And at the time, Daigoro was really small. He can't even walk yet. I think he's only like one. <laughs> and he tells him, pick, you know, and he's like, if you choose the ball, I will send you to live with your mother. Basically meaning he was going to murder his own son, you know, send him to the afterlife. He's like, if you pick the sword, you're going to take the road to hell with me. And of course the baby picks the sword cause it's shiny. And, uh, <laughs> The great part about Lone Wolf and Cub, one of the things I love is the creativeness uh, of the manga, the movies. You know, he's got this baby cart that he puts Daigoro in, but the baby cart has like spears that shoot out and blades. Later on, he gets like a Gatling gun <laughs> that's installed <laughs> underneath it. Yeah. So, uh, but yes, I, I right away when uh, I think in episode two or three of the first season of, of The Mandalorian, where Jin's got Grogu in that little pod following along with him. I was like, wow, this is straight up Lone Wolf and Cub, but, <laughs> but now we're, now we're in Star Wars. So yeah. Uh, yeah, that was great. It's, it's, it's really cool to see that cross pollinization between Eastern and Western storytelling, you know? Um, yeah, that toy line looks super cool. I saw, uh, I have actually my, uh, my uh avatar on xbox uh right now is the white armored boba fett samurai or, or mm. ronin version of that mm-hmm. i don't know if you have that figure yet i just saw it and i was like wow it looks really cool <laughs> I, I don't have that one but i do have yeah i have the boba fett the mandalorian brown armor and this one is like the, the full beskar armor oh nice nice very um, cool i have the Darth Maul, where he looks like this, like this monk, this warrior monk. Like he looks like Akuma. <laughs> oh, from from Street Fighter. <laughs> from Street Fighter, yeah. He's got like this That's big great. bead, like the prayer beads around his neck. Um, I've seen a couple of prototypes for some future figures. One is like this funky-looking Admiral Akbar samurai armor. <laughs> it's, wow, it's pretty cool. Yeah, but, yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah. So there's a lot of Japanese. I mean, the 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 Jedi themselves, their name comes from, you know, what what was uh, period piece samurai movies, uh, Jedi Geki, right? Mm-hmm. So he took that and trying to shorten it, and that became the Jedi. And the Jedi themselves are a, a lot like the samurai mixed with maybe the more chivalrous Knights of the Round Table, mm-hmm. like the the Jedi Council. The meeting room is very almost much like a round table, right? Yeah. You see that. And um to me the the Mandalorians are like a mix between the Mongolians and like the Spartans. 
like they're just these super amazing tough warrior culture and they've had to learn how to live and survive no matter what um especially as we see we finally got to see in the book of boba fett series you know what happened to mandalore when the empire took over yeah. and that was pretty gnarly the night pretty of sad tears. yeah <laughs> all those tie bombers oh, just glass in that planet yeah yeah brutal stuff um the interesting thing too is is you find out in in the mandalorian right like even dinjarin isn't like a part of of a typical mandalorian no yeah he is he is in like like the cultiest of cults like (laughs) he's in um He's in the what do they call themselves the the Death Watch I think or... no they're a subsect of Death Watch they're even more God I can't even remember because um, basically they they don't ever take off their helmets even Death Watch would take off their helmets right. um, Children of the Watch that's what they're called and oh. they want to bring back Mandalore to its glory days and that's uh, that comes from the old expanded universe books where they they didn't take off their helmets um that's what that's a nod to in the i didn't read yeah so jin was you know jin jaris was you know his parents were killed in a clone wars era battle by some battle droids he was rescued by some death watch and then you know he becomes part of this children of the watch subsect um because yeah later we see mandalorians bo katan comes back from clone wars and rebels we see her in Mandalorian season two and they freely take off their helmets and Jin had never seen that. And then also Boba Fett takes off his helmet. Now Boba Fett isn't maybe traditional Mandalorian. His father was from Concord Dawn. They were kind of like mercenaries that were kind of put to work by the Mandalorians and got Mandalorian armor, but technically still Mandalorian in my book. But uh, what about the other influence? So, you know, we talked about uh, Kurosawa, Westerns like John Ford, Flash Gordon. There's also, um, if you think about it, uh, Frank Herbert's Dune has quite a quite a big influence in Star Wars. We've got the giant desert mm. planet. Mm-hmm. We have spice mines of Kessel. Now, the spice in Star Wars doesn't seem to have the same powers as the spice in dune is a drug and a fuel source in star wars the spice only seems to be a fuel source um and then instead of the giant sandworms in dune we've got like the crate dragon which is you know more like a giant lizard that lives under the sand yeah like tremors like tremors right (laughs) now did you ever read uh dune see the 84 movie or the newer movie adaptation are you a fan of that world at all um i i was never like super into it i didn't read the books i I saw the movie a long time ago saw the newest series it's pretty good i really like the like dragonfly fighters um those are kind of cool the ornithopters yeah yeah but um yeah I, i i didn't read the books so i'm not really sure what to expect it's kind of forward seeing what's in the second movie you know yeah yeah that's cool another one of the the things that i've come across in my nerddom of star wars and just being a nerd in general i'm a huge um 
old school comic book fan. I don't really, I haven't, I don't read any modern comic books or have read any modern comic books, but uh, my favorite all time comic book creator is a man named Jack Kirby. You might've heard of him. He created most of the Marvel universe with Stan Lee. And uh, he did, uh, he took a break from Marvel in 69 and he jumped ship and went over and worked at DC comics. And at the time he created a whole new universe uh, over there called the new gods. And in the new gods, the villain was a man named Darkseid, and his son um, actually was fought against him as Orion, and he was Orion fought for the light side with High Father. And uh, when uh, Empire Strikes Back came out, there was quite a bit of outcry in the comic book community. They were like, wait, wait, George Lucas has got to be reading New Gods because there's the reveal in episode five when you know Darth Vader tells Luke, I am your father. Um, there's a similar reveal in New Gods where Darkseid tells Orion, no, I am your father. <laughs> I just thought that was, uh, it's, but. Um, the funny thing, the funny thing about that is uh, in Germany, right? In German. Right. Vader is his father. father. Dark, so it's just Darth, father. <laughs> Darth means dark, doesn't it? Is so it no one was father? surprised. <laughs> like it right. They're like, okay, yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. No, that's always funny. And, 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 uh, and his name was given to him by Palpatine. So Palpatine knew that he had kids coming. Mm-hmm. Like, I think, I think Palpatine was counting on it, actually. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that was another another funny. Uh, I don't know how much of that is true. I, I think it could. That could just be. That seems to be a theme that runs through um, a hero's journey, where sometimes the hero has to face his biggest challenge, and it may be his own family, right? Uh, you know, his own father, his best friend. I think that all kind of fits into there and and i know that george lucas had studied joseph campbell's philosophy uh the hero of a thousand faces and uh you know that book goes into detail about the hero's journey through all of the different cultures between the greeks the romans the irish the Mm -hmm. egyptians all the stories that and and that's one of the cool things is that star wars took a lot of that and puts it all there in something that culturally we can all appreciate you know and see that maybe we didn't know about because we don't know about all those different cultures. Most of us, like they don't teach a lot of that at, at least not when I went to school. Yeah, I was, I was pretty big into um, Greek mythology when I was a kid. Um, so yeah, you do see a lot of those those stories, you know, or like, you know, the son is going to be a threat to the father, like um, Zeus, right. Zeus, right? Is his father, uh, was, you know, was going to, you know, he ate all of his children <laughs> so that they wouldn't be a threat to him. Uh, so yeah, it's it's uh, in a lot of stories. You know, the 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 mentor that also ends up, you know, guiding the hero and often ends up dying. <laughs> uh, yeah. Right, like we saw in the original, uh, in the original film in Episode Four, Obi Wan guides Luke, and then I mean he physically dies, and then he's able to help Luke with the Force. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's something we haven't even brought up yet: the Force. Uh, the Force. Uh, 
an energy field that binds and protects the galaxy that the people trained in the ways of the force, the Jedi are able to use to enhance their abilities. But also there's other force wielders in the star Wars world that use it in different ways. Right. And a lot of that got, got explored in clone wars, which is another thing that that show did really well that nothing else had touched on. Right. Because all, all we knew about the force is that the Jedi could use it and that the Sith would use it. And the Sith being, um, you know, an evil force wielding originally cult. And then it became, you know, just the rule of two. And, uh, but we learned that the night sisters use the force in a different way, almost more like magic. And mm-hmm. then there's those in rebels. We learn about those. Do you remember the episode with those? Like, I can only describe them as flying space wheels. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember that? And they use they use the force to guide them through hyperspace. Right. And I thought that was really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And that's something I thought that was a, and I thought that was a really cool way, at least in the original trilogy, to sort of represent faith and religion by having this thing that the Jedi, you know, believed in it. And if you don't believe in it, you can't tap into it, right? Or you, you know, it's harder. Um. What are your feelings, Mark? You got any feelings on the Force? I'm one with the Force, and the Force is with me. Force one with me. <laughs> <laughs> That's a nice Rogue One shout out. Thank you. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, it, it it ties into a lot of different religions and that that we have, and you know, Gnosticism. Um, yeah, there's you know this general power in the universe. Um, like like chi, right? That's uh, another analogy to the force. Um, like in martial arts, you know, you you learn about chi and controlling that uh, energy uh, and channeling it through different parts of your body. Yeah, so it's it's very interesting how it's. I mean, it seems to be derived from a lot of different you know philosophies uh, throughout you know religion um, and like. Especially like in, in Eastern religion, you know, or Eastern thought, there's the, you know, the concept of chi, right? This this energy that's in you that you can gather, you can direct it, you know, out different parts of your body. Um, so it's it's like a, a really like superhero version of of that. Right. Yeah. No. Totally. Yeah. And and Chinese. You know, it's chi in Japanese, it's ki, uh, but they're the this, this same sort of thing, right? And the force is, is uh, very much similar to that as martial arts terminology or energy field. So, yeah, that's so awesome. I really, and I really like the way they've kind of explored and expanded upon it. That's one of the things that um, the sequel trilogy, 7, 8, and 9, really did some things with the force we hadn't seen before like different powers and uh and they've brought that in even with the mandalorian and so we're starting to see what more can be done with the force or what you know what in both sides the good and the the light and the dark side right it seems like the dark side of the force is is powerful in a way that it hurts things and it even seems to affect the user the dark side user that's using that dark energy it seems like it takes a toll on them um whereas the light side it seems like they can use the force to help 
even possibly heal people maybe with their own life force or maybe it's coming from the entire energy of the force itself they haven't explained that and i don't know i don't even know if they should explain that because i think the more you explain about something like that midi chlorines anyone yeah it kind of ruins (laughs) a little bit of the mysticism about it right so yeah um yeah, I mean, it's, it's you see concepts of, of like magic, you know, that are similar to that, where you know the good magic, it does it in in a contained way, and you know it, it's beneficial. Whereas like the dark magic, chaos magic, you know, it, it eats away from something, right? It, it, it takes its draws tool, life energy right. from around you, or it takes it from the user. It's all. It's all very similar to that yeah well that's awesome well i don't know if we got much else that we can uh get into i don't want to go too deep into some other things i'd like to have you back on and we can maybe pick apart some other aspects of star wars i think that would be really fun but it's been really really good discussion hopefully i can pull up these notes here without uh another snafu all right mark well everybody thank you for listening this is optimus from the retro futurist culture please check out other shows on ruminations radio network this has been a production of ruminations radio network please subscribe rate and review our show we would love to connect with you on social media via our twitter account at futurist retro Visit RuminationsRadioNetwork.com for more additional great shows such as Ruminations Red Rum, Oh God, It Hurts, Cinephile Hissy Fits, the original Ruminations from the Red Room, Brevity Box, Tony's Tall Tales. We got all kinds of stuff. Support Ruminations Radio Network at Patreon.com backslash Ruminations Radio. For all your burning questions, drop us a line at RuminationsRadio at gmail.com. Mark, thank you, sir. That was a lot of fun talking about Star Wars. Uh, It's always a good time talking to you. I hope you have fun at Star Wars Celebration. I wish I could go. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, uh, it's awesome to talk to you again, man. Yeah. And I'll uh, I'll let you know how it goes. Yeah, it sounds great. Perfect. All right, Mark, take care. Bye.